Well, hey, welcome, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for, for being here, for making River Glen a part of your weekend. Uh, we're excited uh, to be with you, whether you're here in our Waukesha campus, our Pewaukee campus, uh, or joining us on our online campus as we celebrate Palm Sunday weekend and continue in this True North series that we've been going through. We're one week out from our Easter celebration. Is anybody excited? I'm ready uh, for Easter. We're going to have seven services, yeah, across all of our campus. Campuses, um, including online. So we want to encourage you to join us. It's going to be a party. Um, I can't wait to celebrate. But this week we wrap up this True North series that we've been that we've been going through, looking at at some of the seven I am statements that that Jesus made in the Book of John. Uh, seven times he said, "I am." fill in the blank. Uh, and, and we've been looking at those. And if you've missed any of those, you can uh, check them out on our website and follow along. Uh, but this week, we look at an I am statement that came in one of the final moments that Jesus had with his disciples. And we're going to jump right in. I'm going to read. Um, it's kind of a long text. So just kind of go with me, sit back, and you can follow along if you want. They're going to be right here. Uh, but John chapter 15 It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I am the true vine. I want to approach this message a little differently this weekend. Typically, uh, I'm I'm kind of, I have a hard time sitting still. I'm running around the stage, uh, kind of like if Chris Farley was doing an SNL sketch on preaching. Um, It's okay. I know it's true. Um, But that's that's my typical uh, MO up here. But today, I want to take a different posture. And I just want to sit with you. And I want to talk to you. And I want us together to enter into a time of rest, a moment of refilling or replenishing that will send us back out stronger, better, more peaceful, more joyful 
and more loving. So everyone, uh, just take a deep breath with me. Ready? Let's do one more. The statement that we're looking at today is, I am the true vine. But if I were to title the message something else, I would call it an invitation to abide. That word abide is used 10 times in 10 verses in this text that we just read. 10 times Jesus says, abide. That Greek word that's used there is the word meno, and it, it, it means to remain, to not depart, to, to be held. You see, this statement happened on Thursday of Jesus' final week. It's Thursday night. Tomorrow, he will be put to death. And the disciples have just enjoyed a meal with Jesus, where the King of kings and Lord of lords knelt down, he removed their leather sandals, and he took a cloth of warm water and proceeded to wash their feet, an act that only servants would perform. And after they've filled themselves with food and wine, but most importantly, with the love of their friend, Jesus takes them on one final walk together. And they head to the Garden of Gethsemane, the garden where Jesus, while praying, is going to sweat blood. The garden where Jesus makes his famous statement and prayer, Father, not my will, but yours be done. The garden where Judas would betray Jesus. The garden where his disciple Peter would, would cut off a soldier's ear. And on this walk to the garden, on a cool spring night, Jesus not only wisely invites them to walk off the food that they've eaten, but he lovingly invites them to one last walk together. The people that he spent the last three years with. The people that he is aching to leave. And on the path that they're taking, on, on the right, on, there, there would have been a hillside. And this hillside would have just been covered in beautiful green vineyards. But on the left would have been the gate. The gate that would take you in to the temple and across the gate adorned on this gate all throughout it would have been a golden vine that symbolized and was was representative of the nation of Israel you could see a vine on synagogue doors or even on on the coins that they had what the vine was to Israel would have been like what the bald eagle is to America and you can imagine as he looks to his right, looks to his left, and then he looks at his dear friends and he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And then Jesus gives us what can only be described as one of the most intimate, honoring commands and invitations. He says, abide in me. Jesus invites you, you who's caught up in the busyness of life, who feels like the snooze button on your alarm isn't even an option, and that sound hurls you into a day out of your control. You who, who, who's caught up in the chaos of the world or even just the madness of your own mind, 
who for some reason knows the knowledge of everything Fox and CNN throw at you is no good, but you can't seem to look away, only resulting in more anxious thoughts and feelings of fear. You who's caught up in who you're not, questioning your worth and and, and the aimless social media scrolls of comparison are of no help. You who's, who's caught in a web of shame from things you've done and things done to you, whether it feels good and you can't seem to break it or whether it's breaking you and you can't seem to feel good, no matter how many things you fill yourself with or how many times you try to avoid it. Take a deep breath. And I want to invite you for a moment to sit with this thought just for a few moments in silence, that Jesus invites you to abide in him. Not only that, but this invitation to abide in him is also a cry from a father who wants to spend time with you. Sit in that for a moment. Jesus invites us to abide. Some of us needed that, and some of you hate me right now. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But Jesus invites us to abide in him, to live a life that remains in him, that is connected to him, to be attached to him and to his ways. And in the midst of the final hours of Jesus' life, he invites them to abide in him. And today, he invites you. He invites us to abide in him in the rush of every everyday life, in the busyness of our schedules, our goals, and our jobs, in difficult seasons where we face obstacle after obstacle, and in the temptation and distraction that our human nature is so naturally drawn to. Jesus beckons us. He calls us. He reaches out a hand and he says, abide in me. And we struggle to abide because at the end of the day, we don't want to. Like, let's be real. I mean, maybe, maybe your, your heart's desire is to abide in Christ and live a life with him, but our natural tendencies would say otherwise, right? We have a sin nature. We are naturally inclined to sin, you ever, you ever been on a diet and forget that you're on the diet? Like halfway through a meal or something, you're at the restaurant and you've got like all the chips and salsa and you're like, oh, oh, I wasn't supposed to eat these, right? Now, that's because we naturally, maybe just me, I'm naturally gonna eat the chips and salsa, right? There's no turning that down, you know? And you forget, right? We are naturally drawn to those things. And in the same way, we faithfully fail at living a life of holiness and perfection. But that's okay. 
because we are imperfect humans. I think Paul said it best when he wrote, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, that is, that, yeah, same. And it doesn't help that sin is fun, right? I mean, let's be real. Like, sin's, sin's fun, right? I mean, if it wasn't fun, it, you know, it wouldn't be enticing, right? We, if sin was boring, we wouldn't want to do it. Like, we, we, we naturally abide where we're made to feel good, not made to feel better. Those are the things that we're, that we're drawn to. Now, maybe we don't wake up. I don't, I'm assuming none of us wake up and go, hey, Saturday? Yeah, today looks like a good day to do some sinning. You know, I think that's, let's do it. Let's just go, let's go, uh, let's go do some things. Let's go be reckless today, you know? I don't think any of us are doing that. But I think it's so easy to sin or to not abide or to abide in other things because, one, we're, we're a less committed culture, right? We, we, are, we are so quick to cancel people or to turn off a Netflix show because it got boring, to jump out of a relationship because there was one argument, to leave our job for the next best thing, and we so easily do the same thing with God. It's easy for us to jump in and out of relationship with him. It's also easy because we respond to situations, problems, people, and our temptation with our feelings and not necessarily our logic, right? Always, most of the time, feeling drives the response. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Feelings are, are a gift from God, and, and maybe this is all completely subjective because I am just a very emotional guy. But feelings, right, we, we, that's how we respond. I mean, take, for example, when somebody cuts you off. Your immediate response isn't like, I should pray for them, or, you know, maybe they're in a rush. You know, your, your immediate response isn't thumbs up. Maybe another finger, but, it, but it's not a thumbs up, okay? That's, that's not our immediate response. And in the same way, right, the worst thing that someone can do to us is, is after a bad thing happens is explain, give us a logical explanation of why that thing happened to us, right? That doesn't help. That doesn't help me. That doesn't help any of us. And so when we're tempted, when we're distracted, when we're given something else to abide in, we will. When we have something else to attach ourselves to, we will. Because in the moment, it feels right. Sin, I'll say it this way, sin results in temporary satisfaction. Abiding results in eternal joy. Sin results in temporary satisfaction, but abiding results in eternal joy, a life of joy that begins now, that you get to experience the joy now and forever. That doesn't mean right, e eternal happiness, and it doesn't mean that the bad things will happen, but we have joy. There is comfort in belonging to something, someone good living a life attached to the true vine, Jesus, a joy that comes from abiding in him. And even through our failure and sin, knowing that we would do it again and again, Jesus invites us to abide. Abiding gets especially very difficult when we go through a season of pruning, Jesus uses this word prune, not like, not like the juice, right? But, but a word that means to cleanse of filth and impurity. 
to remove things. It's, it's cut or it's, it's trimmed down. Pruning, it removes dead and dying branches and stubs, allowing room for new growth. It also deters pest and animal infestation and promotes the plant's natural shape and healthy growth. Now, I'm not a gardener, uh, but maybe we have some gardeners in the room. Anybody? Big, big gardener, right? Let us know in the chat if I'm describing pruning correctly. Um, you can confirm, and if there's any gardeners in here, my mom would confirm that pruning is good. Pruning is so that the branch can bear more fruit. It is for the good of the branch that it is pruned, and in the same way, it is for our good that we are pruned. For our good, that difficulties and testing comes our way. And in the pruning still remains the invitation to abide. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is provision. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is God's provision. Pruning is the grace of God. It is God removing things from our lives that are actually obstacles to us abiding in him. One of my favorite musicians, Chris Renzema, he puts it this way in a song. He says, don't you find it strange that God, he made four seasons and only one spring. He then goes on to say, flowers only grow once they've tasted rain. The pain or difficulty, the shedding of our old self has purpose. And the lens with which we choose to see our suffering through will determine the strength with which we can endure it. The way we see it will allow us, will give us the strength to endure it. So what if the thing that you've been dealing with or dreading was just a part of the process of a necessary growth and development that God has for you? See, what's easiest isn't always best. And in the pruning, he is near. God is near to you in this season of difficulty. He will remain in you. He wants to abide in you. Dr. David Jeremiah says it like this. The vine dresser is never nearer the branches than when he is pruning them. God is closer to you than you think. And God's presence is not just something for us, but something in us that works through us, right? In in 200, 300 AD, there were these people known as the desert fathers and mothers who would escape or retreat to the desert uh, to encounter the presence of God, to just spend time in the desert, in the quiet, in the presence of God. I'm not much of a desert father. I'm more of a add an S to that and eat some ice cream in the presence of God, right? A dessert father. That's more of my, that's more my thing. I'd rather do that. But they would go out and they would, they would seek God. And in these moments, they, they had this phrase that they would say. They say, we retreat from the world for the world. And in the busyness of life, we could all use a retreat, right? Anybody want a retreat? Anybody want to get away? If it's just a week, a day, an hour, or even just a breath where we sit in silence, 
which to some of us, silence sounds like the soundtrack to our worst nightmare. But in these moments of retreat, in these moments of abiding, we not only get filled, but we create a vessel for God to flow through. We create an opportunity for outpouring in our lives. The word that gets the second most repetition, second to abide, is the word bear. Six times in this text, Jesus commands us to bear fruit. To bear fruit is what happens naturally as we attach ourselves to Jesus, who he is, his love, his power, his character, not only fills you, but is supposed to flow through us for the sake of the world. See, if we're not producing fruit, then we may as well not be attached to the vine. And I find it so powerful that this is one of Jesus' final moments with his disciples. And this command to bear fruit reminds me of one of his very first moments with his disciples. Jesus' first miracle. It came after him and his friends attended a wedding. And at this wedding, they run out of wine, which would have been cultural catastrophe. And Jesus, to make more wine, gets water from these barrels. These barrels would have been filled with purification water, water that the Jews would have, would have rinsed themselves off with after encountering a Gentile or spending time with someone of another culture. And this is the water that Jesus chooses to turn into wine, to keep the party going. And this is like good wine. It's not like a two-buck chuck, you know. This is like some real classy Cabernet Sauvignon, you know. Like this is legit stuff that Jesus is making here. And he takes something that was meant, the water meant for division, and uses it for unity to bring people together. From that very moment, he set the tone for who he is and what he came to do. He came to bring unity. Jesus came to abide in us, and he invites us to abide, and the result is to bear fruit. That's why at the end of that text in John, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, that someone lay down their life for their friend. Jesus wants to use us. The, the fruit that we produce, the gifts that we have. See, following Jesus is not just about how long we can attach to the vine, but am I bearing fruit for others that they may taste and see the goodness of who God is? Can Jesus make new wine out of you, in and through you? In a world of division, in a world of inequality, in a world plagued with injustice, in a world of busyness and stress, in a world of pain and shame, in a world of distraction, Jesus invites us to abide. He invites us all to abide. So the question for us is, how do we respond? How do we respond to this invitation to abide? First is to attach. 
to attach yourself to the vine, maybe for the very first time, if you've never made that connection, if you've never stepped into your identity in Christ, I want to invite you. Next week, we'll be having baptisms during our Easter services, and this is the ultimate invitation. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. So step into a life with him to experience joy like never before. You can easily text baptism to this number right here. And this, this is your invitation. I am inviting you. You don't have to get perfect. You don't have to figure it all out. Just come as you are. Do you want more joy? Do you want more peace? Do you want to know your purpose? No matter who you are or what you've done, attach. Second is to allow, to allow him to flow through you. Remember that God wants to use us in his great story of redemption to the world. And to be attached to the vine means to bear fruit. They go together. They're not separate. They're not separate entities. To, to, to abide means to bear. To bear fruit means that you are abiding. God wants to use you, his power, his spirit, his joy, strength, love, peace, kindness, mercy, patience, flowing through you. So bear fruit that points back to him. And lastly, and most importantly, abide. Abide in the true vine. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, or maybe you're new to this, Ask yourself, how can I, how do I need to go deeper? Maybe it's, it's, it's what things need to go in my life. What needs to be pruned? How can I be strengthened in the suffering? Where do I need to lean in more when it comes to God? Maybe it's, it's, it's an alpha group, joining an alpha group that are launching uh, after Easter. This may be the great next step. This may be the great first step for you to grow in your faith. Whatever it is, whoever you are, wherever you're at on your journey with Jesus, what habits, practices, and disciplines need to be implemented in your life today? How can you remain in him? How can you stand firm how can you better abide? We're going to go into a response song. And I want to invite you to just sit and listen and lean in to abide. And in a few moments, we'll take communion together. One last deep breath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your undeserving invitation to abide. God, I pray that in this moment that that would not just be something we hear, not just a word that's thrown out, but God, would that become our heart's deepest desire to know you, to love you, to be loved by you, and to love others like you. God, would, would you create space? God, would you challenge us to create space in our lives to hear your voice? 
Would you open our ears to hear you? Would you open our eyes to see you in everyday moments of life? Would you open our hearts? God, open our minds to know you. God, 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 open us up so that we may grow in you, that we would be united in you. God, God, may we find moments to abide so that we may be filled, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world. And God, I, I, I want to pray the bold prayer, and, and may this be all of our bold prayer. God, use me. Use me to reach your people. Use me to love others like you. God, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and we ask to help us abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen.